So earlier this week, a little bit of last week, it was, uh, it was a little cooler than it has been for a little while. It got down to like, in the 60s or whatever. Because I remember we came into the office on Monday and Kathy and I were talking about, you know, uh, it was a little, been a little too chilly to sit outside over the weekend and, you know, whether we should turn on the heat or not. But, you know, we drew the line at that. But, um, and so it was like 60 degrees, but it was too cold to kind of go outside. So like Jimmy Carter, we just put on like an extra sweater. At the same time, like a couple of months ago, we had some weather where it warmed up to about 60 degrees and everybody was thrilled to go outside in the warmth and bask in the glow of the sun. And right, and so, so it's the same temperature, but our expectation of what 60 degrees is changed from somehow from March to June, right? Expectations do that. For us, right? That's the things that we expect change how we experience reality. That's the whole is the glass half empty or half full idea, right? I mean, it's the same amount of water, but the way we see it, the way we look at it and interpret it, the expectations that we bring into it change how we perceive the reality. And these stories today are kind of all about the people's expectations of God. In this gospel story, there's a whole lot of different expectations about Jesus swirling around. The people who have come and gathered, so many people are crowding the house and taking up time that Jesus and his disciples aren't even able to sit down and have a meal. It's just so busy. All of these broken, hurting people who have come to Jesus for healing. All they need from Jesus is his touch. All they are seeking is to be healed of whatever is grieving them. To be, to be relieved of their pains and their sufferings. Jesus is the great healer. That's all they want. The disciples, on the other hand, they have a slightly different agenda. Their expectations of Jesus is that he's going to be some sort of revolutionary leader who's going to lead the uprising that kicks out those oppressive Romans and their funny red hats. They have to go. So their expectation of Jesus is as this great leader, this great warrior that he's going to become to throw out the oppressors and reestablish God's kingdom in Israel. The scribes and the Pharisees have a different expectation. Jesus is the usurper, the, the sort of the ignorant peasant from up north somewhere who's telling them how they should be running their temple and their city. How dare he? Their expectation is that he's a, a voice that needs to be silenced. And his family, well, their expectations of Jesus are surely disappointed because he's the eldest son. He has responsibilities. And here he is off gallivanting across Galilee, spouting a bunch of nonsense. We need to bring him home because clearly there's something wrong with him. All of these people have different expectations of Jesus. The eldest son who needs to come home and take care of the family. The scribes and the Pharisees who, who need to silence this voice of dissent and protest. The hurting people of Galilee who just need to be healed of the things that bother them. And of course the disciples who are looking for somebody to lead them to glory and fame. All of these expectations that these people have of Jesus. And the truth is that, for the most part, they're all going to be disappointed. Because Jesus really isn't any of those things completely. 
He is going to overcome the, the empire and usher forth a new kingdom, but not exactly the way that the disciples think. And he is, of course, going to bring healing to the people. But even in Jesus' day, people got sick and died. It's not like people are going to be relieved of suffering for all time because of Jesus. But it's in the resurrection, right? Jesus is going to die, and in that death, all of their expectations are, are gone up in flames. The disciples are running away, hiding, denying they even knew Jesus. His mother weeps at the foot of his cross, thinking that all of her dreams for him have, have died. And the people are lost without him, but they're the same people who yell for him to be crucified because they wanted to appease their rulers. But in the resurrection, all of those expectations, all of our expectations are upended. And the truth of who Jesus is comes to the fore. He is all of those things and none of those things. Jesus is the living embodiment of God. That's the creator and ruler of the universe who, though he is on high, is close to the lowly. And though he sits on the throne, he is far from the haughty, the pretentious. This God who is the source of all life and creation, the creator of the universe, has come to dwell with humankind. In the form of Jesus, he, he walks the earth so that we might have an example of godly life. That from time immemorial, humans have tried to impose their own vision on what is good and ignoring God's. We see this in the story of the Israelites demanding a king so they can be special like all of the people all around them. To be somebody, we need to have a king. It isn't enough to be God's people. We need to be important in the world. And I think for us in the church today, we, we kind of go through these same things over and over again. And the question for us, I think, is, is who do we expect Jesus to be for us? Are we like the Israelites trying to impose our own will and agenda on Jesus? Or are we really open and receptive to the message that Jesus is asking us? Because what Jesus is inviting us into is to be the people of God. It's the same invitation that God extended to Abraham and to Moses and to all the Israelites now expanded to the whole world. Will you be the people of God? Will you live in harmony with, with God's will? Will you seek to do God's work in the world around you? St. Paul tells us that faith itself is the expectation of things hoped for. So what do we hope for? Because what we hope for shapes our expectations. And as we already know, our expectations shape our reality. So is our hope as big as Jesus's? Does the vision that Jesus offered to us something we're willing to embrace fully? This kingdom of God with no barriers where, where all are welcomed, where all are valued, where every human being has, has dignity that we respect? Are we willing to opt into that vision or are we looking for something smaller, something a little more digestible, like being good people? Because being good people is not Jesus' vision. I mean, it's, it's on the way 
to Jesus' vision. He certainly doesn't want us to be not good people. But to stop there, to be kind, to be generous, that's not enough. Jesus invites us to be bold in proclaiming the word. And by proclaiming the word, I don't mean standing on a corner and reading out of the Bible. I mean living actions in accord with Jesus' example. Are we willing to, to walk with those who are marginalized and oppressed? Are we willing to be the voice of the voiceless? Are we willing to be the helping hand to, to someone in dire straits? Are we willing to stand up against the powers and the oppressors to be peacemakers? Those are the things that Jesus asks of us as individuals and as a community, as God's people. What are our hopes? What are our expectations? These things are important and they matter. And through the disciplines of faith, through prayer and worship and service and study and generosity, we build up our understanding of God's will, of God's hope for us. And through our participation in the life of community and the sacraments, we, we are bestowed with the power of the Holy Spirit and God's promise to be with us always. To walk in the path of Jesus. To be God's people in the earth. To hold on to the vision of the kingdom of God that is so close that we can touch it. And to make that vision a reality in our world. Amen.